Good everyone. Welcome back to another Friday wrap. I know last time we uh, we kind of set the path uh, and set a bit of expectation with um, with everyone about uh, what we want to talk to about, which is really interesting when I thought about what the future is going to encompass and. You know, I, I think I threw the the the, the, the phrase, um, "How would the new world look like?" Uh, you know, because we keep kicking the can down the road. But um, where's that going to end? Is uh, is is what we're going to have a punt at today with all three of us today in the studio? Jazz from Melbourne, representing Melbourne, I should say, representing the Melbourne, <laughs> the state of Victoria. How are you doing? Good. How are you, buddy? Yeah, doing well, fun, mate. Uh, and I got John here uh, as well. John, we're both in Sydney, still in lockdown. The number of cases has gone berserk here in Sydney. Um, yeah. And anyway, how I are don't... you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a, like an interstate thing. Like it's a knockout it's from a the knockout, 80s, eh? you know, uh, David and John in blue and uh, whatever the color Victoria was. <laughs> we're yes, kind of in um, black today. That's, yeah, let's put it that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that's right. We're going dark today. We're going future. dark. That's why we are. <laughs> that's exactly right. So, you know, when we talk about futuristic stuff, it's always, uh, there's, a, there's a sense of darkness in that. Uh, who, who knows, right? So, um, but look, circling back to, uh, to what, I, what I prefaced uh, in the introduction, um, our talk today is all about predictions, which... I know we we sometimes do, but I think it's the first time that we actually try to dive into a full on a full on prediction on what the potential future is going to look like. And I think the first thing we need to define is um, when I, when I say we keep kicking the can down the road, uh, and eventually there's a there's a great term for it when we actually towards the end of the road. It's called the great reset. Uh, in that instance, so some of you actually do a research or do a search of that term on online or YouTube, you'll actually find quite a bit of material about it. But um, I guess for our listeners today, um, that's just quickly define the Great Reset in our in our terms, and we'll start off with start off with that. I guess just to just to give our our listeners a bit of context about what we think the Great Reset is, um, and um, how and how and how how do we how is it impacting us? Would like to give it a go. Yeah, the Great Reset is um, is something that most people have have heard rattling around in forums, and it's mm. something that people talk about openly. So, the Great Reset is an expression that comes from the World Economic Forum, yeah. and the World Economic Forum is a uh, is a, a group of global leaders and politicians and millionaires and billionaires and bankers and so on that meet in Davos, Switzerland, every year, and it's a bit of a playground for. Uh, for the world's decision makers. Um, now, the World Economic Forum is run by a guy, I think his name is Ch- Charles Schwab, uh, like a German guy, Swiss German maybe. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, Schwab is his surname, is a German guy, and he, um, he, he runs it. Now, he's speculated to be a, like a former communist, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so perhaps that's relevant. We, we, we'll maybe find that out. But, but he... he um, so he's laid out in, in, in his several books and things like that about what a great reset would look like. And great reset, it's got there's a lot of a lot of stuff to it, but it, it broadly talks about moving us away from a free market system where you get what they call shareholder capitalism to a, a, a situation that you that, that they call stakeholder capitalism. Now, stakeholder capitalism is sufficiently vague and ambiguous to mean potentially anything. But uh, so moving from shareholders, the owners of the business deciding what happens to the resources to stakeholders, stakeholders presumably being the government, the environment and all these sorts of people, um, 
deciding how businesses are run and how society is organised. Um, the, the Great Reset is pretty vague, but there, there's a lot to do with um, equity, diversity, equality, the environment, things like that. There's one, and the, and just to bring it home for me before I throw it over to, to uh, Jazz for his sort of uh, perspective, but there's, there's a couple of things that the World Economic Forum say that is required for the Great Reset. And one of the creepier things that they say is that um, under in the future, you will own nothing and you will be happy. This sort of utopian idea, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Personally, that this is terrifying to me because the, the foundation of, of civilization is private property ownership. Like uh, that the reason, you know, we look after things is because it's owned by someone, not owned by everyone. So you will own nothing. So this idea that we become a renter society, let's go into that a bit later, but but that's sort of the broad idea. These are the touch points of the, what the Great Reset is according to the World Economic Forum. So I think John's defined it, laid the ground pretty well over there. I won't have done that kind of justice by explaining what the Great Reset probably is, but drilling it down, to me, the Great Reset... Uh, the reset word sounds a little bit scary, and it is to some extent, but that doesn't mean that it's all doom and gloom in the future. It's actually probably a very positive future. Maybe the transition as it happens, maybe a bit of a bumpy ride. But to me, the two things that when you listen to uh, Devo's form that talks about talk, talks a lot about the uh, the Great Reset, the two things that come to mind and looking at what is happening during this pandemic period is the is the current financial system, how that will transition from the old world into the new world and what that world will look like for the good or bad. And the other one which we are seeing is the climate change, right? So, and that, that is the other big thing. So the climate reset or the climate change, uh, which it talks about where uh, and a lot of that stuff currently that we see on the roads with the EVs and all, uh, and even with the Biden's new proposal uh, and all that stuff, it's, I think those, it's centered around those two big themes. Obviously, uh, devil lies always in the detail and there's a lot more attached to it, but I think it's centered around those two main uh, big picture themes, essentially. I think that's good. And, and I think that because, yeah, look, the Great Reset covers a lot of things. And certainly we, it, we can't do the justice of explaining and getting through everything in, in one episode like this. So I reckon, Jazz, that's a good segue to say that just hone in on those two key elements today uh, as, our, as our main key discussion points. In other words, you know, the, the financial systems, which we have always been talking about, you know, the, the, the fiat, the digital currencies, all that stuff, um, um, as well as, I guess, a, a bit of the environmental um, side of things and, um, and how it's going to how it's going to play a part in in the great reset um, so shall we talk about I guess the financial systems um, I know so you know we, we've we've been we've been talking about Bitcoin we've been talking about digital currencies for SDR. a while mm-hmm. yeah all that stuff um, and it's understandable why you know the the I think a lot more people are looking at cryptocurrencies as potentially the future of currency Um but we've also touched on in various episodes before about the central bank digital currencies to the point where, you know, some governments already started adopting. And 
I mean, okay, so they, first of all, they've already affirmed the, uh, the cryptocurrency is legit and valid. Um, and the next step will be looking at how these central banks are going to start adopting the digital currencies as part of their future key currency and dump fiat, essentially. So mm-hmm. um, in, a, in, a, in a generic sense, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is CBDC is being fast-tracked. Central bank digital currency is currently being fast-tracked. Um, and... Look, we, we might not even know that um, uh, we're already being transitioned because I think uh, certainly the direction that we're heading into. Uh, but how do we know? At what point in time do we know that the CBDC have actually taken over and the fiat is dead, if I could put it that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, John, do you want to get started? Or? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go because I think, you know, we've got to, I think where we start is that this, this concept of unsustainability. Now, the World Economic Forum would have us believe that what is unsustainable about the way we live is is the impact that we have on the environment. But I don't think there's any data to back that up. I think actually it's, I think actually, well, look, that's not entirely true. Um, we have a footprint and we, we, we have an impact. But what is actually unsustainable is the debt. Like we can adapt to all sorts of things but the debt, as we've discussed on this uh, podcast, is something that we cannot, um, that we can't pay off. So the, the the debt is the dead end. The debt's the dead end, um, and it's the the one thing, in a sense, we can't fix without a, re- a reset. So what what the World Economic Forum doesn't talk about is that what makes all of this unsustainable is the debt, um, and most of the debt is at the sovereign nations. So when we reset the debt, what are we talking about? We're talking about a financial reset. And importantly, a currency reset. It has to be a currency reset. So if I start looking, putting my future goggles on, I, I, I envisage we get to a point where the, we all acknowledge that the debt's unrepayable. You know, um, Biden's doing it like a $3 billion stimulus package. And the only reason I think that you would be so, so reckless is to do a stimulus package that big when you're at 130% debt to GDP is if you knew that that there is no that's that that the end of the system is coming oh this is this is pure speculation but so you do a you do massive stimulus packages to reinforce that the debt is unrepayable so what happens we move on to a digital currency now this has been broadcast we know we're moving on to a digital currency um and that will happen once everyone recognizes that the debt's unrepayable. But here's the interesting thing. How do we move on to the digital currency? So is it $1, uh, one US dollar to one US digital dollar? And I think the answer to that is no. I I think this is where things get interesting and potentially sinister. Um, What I think will happen is that, um, because the digital currencies are almost in a sense a tracking system. So you know what people are buying, you know what people are spending. Um, and I know we'll come to that, but one thing I think I want to talk about the transition to digital. What I think will happen is the transition to digital becomes a massive redistribution. So if you're wealthy and you've got a hundred thousand US dollars in the bank, we, you will transition to eighty thousand digital dollars. So there's been this haircut that you've received. But if you're from a selected minority group or if you're uh, low socioeconomic, you'll go from $100,000 to $120,000 digital. So, uh, or, or you, you might have a characteristic that is deemed undesirable, men, women, all, all sorts of ways that we're, 
being sort of <laughs> divided at the moment. Um, that's how I don't think the digital currency goes from one to one. I think it goes from one to one and a half or one to 70%. Uh, and this massive redistribution happens when we move on to digital currencies. Then all sorts of other things happen, like they can introduce universal basic income and credit scores and, you know, all that stuff. And, and I think, Jazz, you'll get into that. But what I wanted to say is when they move us onto a digital currency, that there's going to be a massive shift at that point in time. Um, but based on your social credit scores, maybe your opinions on certain things, maybe your gender, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and you can sort of see that's the way we're being, we're, we're, you know, they're talking about things. The, the transition to digital currency won't be one-to-one. How would that be determined? Who and who determines that based oh, on your social status? I don't know. Maybe based on tax returns, maybe based on census data. Uh, who decides it? The, the keepers of the currency. And this is sinister dark stuff. I have no idea. I mean, that's the, that's the exciting thing about forecasts. Like, who knows, right? But, um, but interestingly, that, that I, I would say that that's a lock. That's almost certain that not everyone is going to be made whole by the transition onto digital currency. It's not going to be quite so benign as, you know, the um, um, even when, like, you know, the European countries moved on to the, the euro, that wasn't exactly the, the fairest process in the world. You know, um, Germany did quite well out of that. Greece didn't do so well out of that. Um, so it would be something like that, um, but it would be based on other attributes, mainly income, but potentially other things. Uh, Jazz, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And plus, take us down the UBI social credit score um, path. So interesting that you mentioned a word over there, uh, tracking, that the tracking will be enabled, uh, John. So I was just noting down some of the points. Um, and David mentioned before, how do we, what the transition looks like, right? So before we get to, get to the point where it's... Uh, slowly then suddenly kind of situation, right? So there's a few things, again, this is a stab in the dark. This is all spec speculation. This is just dark side, us trying to have our Friday fun night with this kind of silly stuff, but just going on, how do we, how do we get there? What the path looks like? And if you look at some of the key changes that are being, uh, that we are seeing happening during this COVID period, um, stuff like, tracking what John was saying before, right? So we are seeing that because uh, of the COVID, any restaurant, any supermarket that you go to, you have to scan a barcode. So uh, someone somewhere knows where you were, at what time, what were you doing kind of situation, right? So that tracking is already being enabled during this COVID period. Yes, it's taking its time, but we're getting there. We are also, David, you mentioned before about the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies, which we discussed in the last week episode as well, um, where China has been fast-tracking it. US has been continuously talking about uh, how cryptos play a part uh, in, in this space and about the Fed coin, which they're still working on the finest details, hasn't been released. But we are seeing that this lot of activity happening around the central bank digital currencies and the cryptocurrencies. And if you look at cryptocurrencies, most of the cryptocurrencies or the or the, some of the big names like so Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Litecoin and whatnot, they're all trackable because it's blockchain. It's immutable, right? So you can track when you made the transaction, how much worth of currency you're holding. So from a taxman perspective or from a regulator perspective, it's 
all fully trackable, whereas the current paper system, you don't know how much currency is floating around or how much cash have you got under your bed kind of situation. So there is that as well, right? So you're being fully tracked. It's it's a it's kind of big boss situation, right? So if you, if uh, it's there's there's some big uh, big boss watching you always on what's what's happening. Uh, it's just that it's hard to connect the dots, and we are trying to connect the dots over here and and play in the dark to see what it looks like. So. The, the social credit score already exists in China, so it's a thing that it's not. You know, we're not talking about the Jetsons here. Like this is real stuff. It's just whether or not there's any case to do it in, you know, Australia and, and other places. And and it may or may not happen. It's just that it becomes possible with a, a digital currency. That's that's I guess all we're saying. It becomes possible. Then then all these sinister things are are possible, but that doesn't mean it could happen. I mean, you, you know, national currencies, there's lots of uh, awful things that happen with paper currency as well. So, and there's all sorts of, yeah, so we're being a bit dark here, but um, it doesn't make it. Bigger, doesn't bigger, make it. So, so that is part of the story of the, that this is what the transition period is going to look like, what we are yeah. kind of going through, right? Um, yeah. There will be more stuff that will be implemented uh, more uh, things that will be implemented over the period of time. The big question is why is this all being done, right? Uh, yeah, COVID is the part of the story, obviously, but uh, we have discussed this before that the financial system, when you look at it, um, it's um, it's at, it's 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 at its end with the interest rates and all the stuff that we discuss about, right? So that needs to change, and that change requires some of these things to be implemented first, where um there's a there's a way that the central banks or the regulators basically whoever the regulators in this case will be whether it's a central bank or the government whatever it is whatever you call it right uh will be able to control you uh so if you when we talk about cbdc's central bank digital currencies what are they that that is that is issued by a central bank right so when they issue you these these, these currencies uh, they'll be able to decide when you spend, how you spend, what you spend. How will they decide that based on all the stuff that we just discussed before, which is tracking, right? If they know what your spending history is like, what your social score is like, what your uh, asset liabilities are like, based on all of that, they will be able to uh, decide the UBI checks, will be able to decide the, um, the, the expiry of the payments and all that stuff essentially that we talk about. But that requires a system in place, which is not currently there. And the only way to implement that is to go through this pain period, which to some extent we are already seeing, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, so so the new system is currently being built probably in the background that, you know, we all know that people are, people are doing it. Um, it's not yet mature, but, uh, you know, it certainly solves a problem like what we had before, in terms of um, you know government handing out money, except people don't spend it. They don't spend it on the on the on the things that people want. You know, they, for example, people want to people want to stimulate the economy. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's what happened uh, earlier this year, right? With all that with all that uh, money being pumped into the economy, except it gone into buying shares. You know, pushing property prices up to the next level. Well, once we have the CBDC in place, potentially that's what that's what they'll do. Say, well, unfortunately, you can't use it to buy shares, mate. You're gonna have to use it to buy groceries, fuels, whatever. Um, so, bang on. So that is the only way to control that, right? Yeah, so yeah. 
that to some extent can't be controlled. But once it's implemented, then they've got a full control. It's like uh, a gift card with the expiry kind of situation. Uh, mm. uh, they decide if you don't spend it by this time on this stuff, uh, these categories. Uh, but the way the way they'll sell it to us is they say, look, we've got all the stimulus and we're going to be able to give it directly to you. We're not going to have to pump the stimulus through the banks. We're going to give it straight to you. Excellent. Wonderful. Yeah, those fat cat banks. Um, I'm going to get the stimulus check myself, but the stimulus check will expire and uh, they're going to need to spend it on what they want you to spend it on. And if you don't, you, you know, your social score will go down and you get less next time or it gets withdrawn. All those, all those sorts of things. You know, the weird thing about it for me is a lot of the um, impetus for these sorts of um, these sorts of ideas is sort of inequality. You know, in the in the World Economic Forum um, uh, stuff, that they always talk about how COVID has led to the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, and that's absolutely true, and it's it's terrible. But it's also because of um, the government's idiotic response to COVID, like. The, the stimulus packages are what create inequality. Um, the, the lockdowns are what create inequality. The lo- you know, p- property prices are going up now because of the response to COVID, um, not because of COVID itself. So it didn't have to be that we became more unequal. I think I despise it, uh, to be honest, I, the, all this inequality. But um, the government's interference is what's created it, um, not COVID itself. And it's like that I've used the analogy on this podcast before where, um, you know, the, the government break your leg and then give you crutches and they say, look, you know, uh, I helped you walk, but yes, but you injured me as well. Uh, so, so like locking it down and then giving you compensation for it, I, I always think is a, is a silly idea, but, uh, but yeah, inequality, it's the inequality that, that these uh, policies create that they blame on free markets and then they aim to solve those inequality with, with more intervention. It's like, stop it. Mm. And I, I look at universal basic income will lead to way more inequality because you're going to get everyone getting the $4,000 a month or whatever it's going to be, but the entrepreneurs will keep working. So they're going to get $4,000 a month plus whatever they earn um, on top of it. And they're, they're just going to become wealthier because it's going to create a, a disincentive for some people to work and, um, but the Elon Musks of the world are going to keep plugging on, creating new stuff and just getting richer and richer. But they've just taken, created this huge disincentive for average people to be lead productive lives. Uh, it's going to lead to more inequality. But of course, you know, and the Scandinavians tried universal basic income and then stopped it. They said, this is terrible. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What happened, what happened this Scandinavian story. Can you? Oh, I think it was Denmark. They 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 implemented it, um, and then they reversed it because. It oh, was, okay. How long was that period? This is a couple of years ago. A couple of years yeah, ago. Okay. The okay. the place where uh, the two worlds collide is one is your cryptocurrencies, which is kind of self sovereign self sovereign thing, right? Where you own the keys to your own wallet, you hold the money in your own account, no one can touch it, no one owns it, so you are the custodian. Um, and the other is the CBDCs, which is the central bank digital currencies, which is in full control of a central bank or the go- the government, right? So th- that's where the two worlds are, I think, going to collide. Where, um, but the powerhouse will want the power to stay with them. And the way you keep the power is if you've got the financial system in under under your belt. Um, whereas if you look at the cryptocurrencies, they are separation of money from the state. 
right? So that separates money completely from the political world. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out. It's unclear because only China so far is implementing CBDC. And China is not a great example because they are communist anyway. So different story. Um, it will be interesting to see how this plays out in the Western world. And that's why cryptocurrencies are a risky bet as well. Because when you don't know what some of these CBDCs are going to do and how they're going to be implemented based on some of the things that we have discussed, uh, where the obviously the government will want full control of the people and the money and the cryptocurrencies likes of Bitcoin is exactly the opposite of that, is fully decentralized, hold your own keys, uh, separate the money from the state situation. There's, uh, there's a tug of war that's going to go on, I think, in two worlds, where the individuals, anarchists, libertarians are going to fight, fight, fight out for obviously uh, being there, being in control of their own was um, the Fed and all the other central banks trying to take power and the money in control through Fed coin and all the other CBDCs. And that's, 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 that's the interesting thing I think to watch in, in, in this whole transition period. Yeah. That's where the things will, I think, get a little bit messier. Yeah, we're putting a sinister edge on this. I, I don't think it'll be sold to us in a sinister way. And I think that it's possible that they, the, the it, it may end up being a dark dystopian future. But when, when the, a lot of people probably genuinely think that di digital currencies make the financial system a lot smoother, a lot easier. And even though you're right, there's this sort of other side of the coin, which is tracking and UBI and like, you know, social engineering, where you say, you know, we want you to be better uh, uh, citizens. And if you're good, we'll give you your digital money. That's probably kind of unintended consequences of, of like a system that can potentially go bad. There are a lot of efficiencies with um, sovereign digital currencies. Um, a lot of potentially good things, but it can it can go bad. Now the question is like, is that the reason that they would be moving us in this, in, in this direction, or is it like a dystopian alternative future that maybe they haven't even thought of? So we're you know these, we're being very dark, and and um, and I'm always um, I mean I'm I'm um, I always feel like the the future sometimes belongs to paranoid people. Like if you're paranoid, <laughs> you can uh, it's always pays to be a little bit paranoid, maybe. Um, the more paranoid you are, the more the more futuristic and yeah. dark you get, isn't it? So the second side of the coin, sorry, David, <laughs> is the climate reset or the climate change that we all talk about, right? Again, this sort of relates back to the financial world again. Or the big the, the big theme change required over there is the petrodollar. Essentially, everything runs on oil. Petrodollar is the is the is the powerhouse for that right again that kind of goes back to the financial world attached to it but the 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 point that i'm trying to make is that even though they're two, they they separate they're still related and that's why both of them are being fast tracked to some extent all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of talk about green energy ev vehicles uh, ev commercials uh batteries and all that stuff. Uh, why? I think the, one of the main reasons behind that is the petrodollar, which again, the powerhouses control that. 
Can I pick up on something that was, it's a little bit off script, but I, I, I hear that Saudi Arabia and Russia entered a defence agreement um, yesterday. And that is absolutely massive if it's true. Massive, massive, massive. And the reason for that is the, 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 the world kind of balance has been that, um, uh, that the Middle East relies on, the, 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 you know, the world relies on Middle Eastern oil um, and the petrodollar relies on the oil-producing nations selling petrol or oil in US dollars. In exchange for that, the US will guarantee their security. So the US will be the military uh, for protecting these countries, and in exchange, the US dollar will be used for oil. Now, what, what, if, if uh, Saudi Arabia has entered a, a defence agreement with Russia, what does that mean for the petrodollar? Potentially, it's like the biggest news of the year. Um, and is that a nail in the coffin for the US dollar uh, as the global reserve currency? Because if it's not linked to oil, what, what's it doing? Anyway, that, I need to look into that. I'm not even sure if it's true. But I did see that headline today. Yeah, it's a very interesting thought again. Um, there's, uh, we won't go there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well well, well, we'll leave it there. But I think that was an interesting topic, John, that you mentioned. Certainly, so, you know, we'll, we'll we'll dig a bit more uh, in terms of the validity and 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 how true that piece of news is, uh, because it is. And yeah, you're right. It's probably going to be potentially the biggest news of the whole year, uh, and, uh, and and a game changer. Um, but uh, I guess uh, I guess we want to probably uh, home in um, by by the end of this conversation. So it's um, the great reset certainly coming. Uh, we all know that. We keep kicking the can down the road. At some point in time, we can't do that anymore. Um, and I think based on our discussion points today, a lot of things are, is already showing early signs in terms of where we're heading into, how the future is going to look like uh, in terms of what's, what's currently being developed in backgrounds. For an investor, however, what should you be looking at holding to go into great reset? Uh, Jim John said, you need to own nothing and you'll be happy. That's one of the themes of the Great Reset. That sounds like some sort of instant hippie that just keeps on burning something in the background. So you don't own anything, right? <laughs> well, interestingly, real estate could become so expensive if interest rates stay this low that you may not have a choice but to not, to not own anything. Yeah. Um, I think it's that's really another sinister edge, but, you know, very few people that's are going to be able to afford it. You know what? That's a very good point that you make, John, uh, over there, I think, with the real estate. And that's something worth discussing that if it gets to the point where it's so expensive that no one own, can own it, uh, what happens in that case? Because I think that is also something that is playing behind the scenes, which is worth discussing where BlackRock, uh, one of the investment funds in the US, uh, working closely with the government, is buying the mom and dad houses. Yeah. Now, when it's happening at a scale, that tells a story, right? Uh, again, a dot that needs to be connected. But you're right. You'll have very few landlords. You'll have landlords like in commercial property, like Dexas owns a bunch of uh, uh, yeah. office buildings. You'll have that, but for residential property where, we're, you know, um, my landlord is, um, you know, let, let's say, uh, BlackRock or Westfield or, so, you know, that, that sort of thing. I, I think the way it will be 
if it was to happen again, this is all speculation, right? This is just <laughs> fun Friday fun with a beer kind of thing, right? But if it was to happen in future, the way to sell it will be is the UBI, which is universal basic income that you don't need to worry for the rest of your life. You are covered for your medical, your mm. food, groceries. Uh, so, so as investors, what do we do? Yeah, not, uh, so I think certainly property, um, but okay, so we touched on a bit about property, but what about shares and commodities? I'm actually curious about these asset classes. How's it going to lead into the great reset or would these still would these still be worth holding or buying more um when as, as you get into great reset john what do you think yeah there's uh, uh so i i think you, you definitely want to own real estate before it becomes un, unachievable mm-hmm. um so i think i think you know anything interest rate sensitive that that's also essential like real estate is something i think that you'd, you'd want to be making a particular effort to own uh look i think other things uh, in the commodity space, I don't know about shares. I might park that one just because I don't know too much about that. But uh, but in terms of uh, in terms of commodities, so you've got the monetary commodities like gold, silver, mm-hmm. and I think that I personally think that they're always good to own. I think if there's a monetary reset, like that's you do want to own something like gold, um, but I don't think we're going back to a gold standard. So I'm not exactly sure what it would look like, but I, I know that if there's a reset to the monetary system, gold is kind of what you want to what you want to own. And there's the old saying: "He who owns the gold makes the rules." Um, you 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 usually on the winning side if you own some precious metals. Um, then there's uh, industrial commodities. So what industrial commodities do you want to own if there's a push for things like uh, renewable energy and um, electronic vehicles? And the things that you want to own there are typically things like uh, nickel, um, copper, uh, and because c- nickel goes in the batteries, copper connects everything, and and then you want like rare earths like lithium and, and things like that to, to go into batteries. Uh, now Australia is a great place to be investing for that sort of stuff. So you know, run your ruler over the ASX, see what companies um, uh, produce those sorts of things. You know, maybe it's just a Rio Tinto or a BHP. But um, if we do if we do go hard down the renewables, uh, they would be ones to look at. The other one to look at is is going to be w- what role uh, nuclear energy plays in a in a carbon free future, which is exciting as well. Um, nuclear is always difficult, so you you know then you'd you'd want to be looking at some uranium producers. Again, I don't know much about this, but. Um, uh, nuclear is difficult because of export restrictions and those sorts of things, but nuclear should be part of a carbon-free future. So uh, commodities, yeah, definitely commodities are going to play a big role in this. I think the trend I'm seeing there basically is uh, um, rarity, something that's, <laughs> something that's finite, something that's, uh, you know, you can't, you can't continue to produce basically. So there's limited quantity in that sense, whether that's property, uh, whether that's commodity like gold, yeah. for example, um, and cryptocurrencies, of course, uh, always a, there's always a limit in terms of how much in total you can mine. Those are the things that you want to hold going into the Great Reset, in essence. So mm-hmm. that occurred. Yeah, I, I think uh, stocks and cryptocurrencies kind of, or commodities, mm. kind of are in the same bracket. Real estate being a little bit bigger transaction and less uh, 
uh, liquid is a different ball game, but definitely holding onto it is obviously a winning strategy without a doubt. But all the other three to me come in the similar category, right? So it's uh, how much of conviction you have on what. We know people who are 100% in real estate. We know people who are 100% in stocks. Long story short, it's assets, right? So stocks are assets as well. Uh, It's just looked at it in a little different way. So uh, you're owning part of the company. So it's, it's all the same. You know, I was thinking, and I'd add, I'd add, just watch your debt levels as well, um, because I think that the future is probably more volatile. But that said, you know, if if we were having this conversation twenty five years ago, would the advice be any different? Get be in real estate, own commodities, own physical assets. You know, don't you know? Watch your consumption levels. Um, put your you know, you know, make sure you're an investor. Buy assets. I wonder if these are timeless. If this is timeless advice. Uh, that's a good question. I think that's a point to be uh, discussed after the Great Reset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, look, I think I think that um, the edge that the Great Reset puts on it is that um, uh, watch the currencies. Like, like if if this if what the, the world that we know it ends in a financial sense, it will probably be via the currency markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a, and a reshuffling of the deck there. So maybe that's maybe that's the difference. But how we play it is probably no different to what we would have said fifty years ago. Yeah. You know, if if, if we uh, you know if a couple of young lads like us were together in the fifties, we would have said, "Oh, the communists are coming! The communists are coming!" And you know, maybe it's just it's just always a threat. <laughs> like it's always it's always there. Just, just I just think have have a have a worldview. Be be careful. Be prudent. Um, and uh, think for yourselves and. Uh, Look after your loved ones, you know, all that's all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And hold assets, basically. And hold assets. <laughs> hold assets. They're timeless. Okay. All right. Well, anything else we want to add today? I think that's a, I think that's in general, that's a good discussion. Uh, and, and hopefully that gives our listeners a bit of glimpse into what the future looks like. Asset also includes cash, by the way. Just just to be clear, uh, for for the use of it when the time's right, if yeah. the crashes. Or if there's a good opportunity to be had. So, to the listeners, none of this is financial advice. Uh, this is pure fun Friday beer catch ups. So, do your own research, play safe, stay safe, and we will see you guys next Friday. John, Jason, David, cheers. <laughs>